Hello and welcome to edition number 1968 of the Whitney Talking News, which we're recording at the High Street Methodist Church in Whitney on Thursday the 6th of July 2023. I'm Jean and I edited this edition. Beside me at recording controls is Eric Imerson. Today we have our items from the Whitney Gazette and The Countryman. Our four readers are Jill Breakspeare, John Ashwell, Marnie Leach and Andrew Dilger. Let's have our first story, which is about teacher strikes, and will be read by Jill. Disruption expected across schools as teachers strike. Another round of strikes by teachers across Oxfordshire will take place this week. The National Education Union, the NEU, announced that teachers would walk out on Wednesday, July 5th and Friday, July 7th, which is set to cause disruptions during the current term time. This follows on from strike action by the NEU in February, March and May this year. More than 4,000 members took action in Oxfordshire at over 300 schools in the last teacher strike. Oxfordshire County Council's Emergency School Closures page has previously not provided advance warning of either partial or full school closures due to strike action. Parents and carers are told to wait for advice from their child's school about their plans. The NEU has around 2,800 teacher members in Oxfordshire. It's been reported that the NEU is currently re-balloting its members so they can decide if they want to continue taking industrial action throughout the rest of 2023. However, they are not the only ones balloting as other education unions, including the ASCL, NAHT and NASUWT, will be balloting their members for strikes over pay and funding for teachers in the country. This means coordinated action from the several unions in the autumn term if no agreement is reached. Dr Mary Bowstead and Kevin Courtney, Joint General Secretaries of the NEU, said it was within the grasp of Education Secretary Gillian Keegan for the action to be halted. Time and again, the National Education Union, alongside its sister unions, have called for the Education Secretary to get around the negotiation table to settle this dispute for a fully funded teacher pay increase. Time and again, our calls have fallen on stony ground, they said. The Education Secretary refused to re-enter negotiation on the grounds that she and her department were waiting for the publication of the School Teachers Reviews Body, the STRB, recommendation on pay. The NEU said the Minister had received the body's report and recommendations but would not comment on speculation that it was suggesting a 6.5% pay rise. A Department for for Education spokesperson said... Further strike action will cause real damage to pupil learning and even more disruption for parents right across the country. Thousands of schools are receiving significant additional funding 
as part of the extra two billion pounds of investment we are providing for both 2023 and 24 and 2024 and 25, which will take school funding to its highest level in its history next year, as measured by the IFS. As part of the normal process, the Independent School Teachers Review Body has submitted its recommendations to Government on teacher pay for 2023-24. Secondly, John will be reading about a school being closed for a different reason. Yes, it's headed up. School forced to close over a lack of water. Thames Water has explained the cause of a water supply issue which which forced a school to close for the day in Oxfordshire. Burford School, a co-educational academy and state boarding school, closed for the entire day on Tuesday of last week, due to issues with its water supply. It said the water company was working uh, to fix the issue, but it couldn't be guaranteed when the service will resume. A Thames water spokesman revealed a team investigated the problem and found a pumping issue at a nearby reservoir, which explained the drop in the area. The spokesman said the necessary repairs were taking place and apologised to customers affected by the incident. Now for another school story, read by Marnie. School is fourth outstanding secondary. A secondary school could be judged outstanding if it were to receive a full Ofsted inspection, according to a report by the National Education Standards Body. Ofsted visited Chipping Norton School last month to carry out an ungraded inspection. An ungraded inspection differs from a full inspection as it cannot change the overall grade of a school unless there are very serious concerns. Following the visit, inspectors reported there is enough evidence of improved performance to suggest that the school could be judged outstanding if we were to carry out a graded inspection now. Inspectors described the school as a warm and welcoming place where pupils thrive in its safe and supportive environment and all achieve highly across the curriculum. They added... All staff are highly ambitious for pupils and support them to benefit from a rich academic experience and a wide array of extracurricular activities. Chipping Norton is currently rated good by Ofsted, although its sixth form is rated outstanding. Head teacher Barry Doherty welcomed the new Ofsted verdict, saying it was a fair reflection of the great work of the school and its community. Mr Doherty added, we now have a wonderful opportunity to go one step further. While securing an outstanding judgment from Ofsted is not our mission, it is our goal to build a truly great school 
that is widely recognised to be so, to be so by those who know us best. And now for a change of topic, Andrew will read about a skate park. The title of this piece is Councillor Resigns After Skater Spat. And that's spat as in argument. A parish councillor has stepped down following backlash to a viral video which showed her arguing with an adult at a skate park. Hanborough British Parish Council confirmed on Monday that Penelope Marcus had resigned with immediate effect as chairwoman of the council. A council source told the Whitney Gazette that Ms Marcus had received unpleasant abuse in the wake of a viral YouTube video which showed her arguing with 58-year-old skateboarder Sean Goff at Longhanborough Skate Park. In the five-minute video published on June the 18th, which has received more than 200,000 views on the video-sharing platform, Ms Marcus tells Mr Goff and his friend that they need to allow more space for the children using the skate park. The video description said she goes full Karen, using a slang term referencing a specific type of middle-class white woman who exhibits aggressive behaviour that stems from privilege. There has been criticism over the term, which some claim is sexist. You are taking up too much space in what you're doing, Ms Marcus tells the adult rider in the viral video. She later adds, We are on the parish council, and this skateboard park was designed for all these kids, boys and girls. Mr Goff, a three-time British skateboarding champion from Kidlington, argues that he is taking turns with the children to use the facility. We're a problem because you think we're a problem? He asks Ms Marcus. When asked, the children agree they have been sharing the skate park. Mr Goff explains there is no skate park in Kidlington and says that children at Longhanborough Skate Park would learn from watching him. Ms Marcus says they would bring in trained coaches to teach the children instead. As she walks away... Mr. Goff shouts, By any chance, just out of interest, would the trained coaches be ex-British champions? Because I am. The description of the video said, The skate park had only been open for a couple of days a few miles away from where Sean lives. Sean and his pal were checking it out, and the local parish councillor decided to have a go at them, saying the park is for kids and that they should grow up. A statement from Hanborough Parish Council after Ms Marcus's resignation said, During Penelope's time as chair of the Parish Council, she has tirelessly worked to deliver many positive changes for the parish. Visually impaired rider in tandem charity effort. The first visually impaired CEO of a sight loss support charity rode on the back of a tandem for 75 miles to raise money. Mark Upton, CEO of the charity My Vision Oxfordshire, which supports around 2,000 people a year with a visual impairment, 
joined hundreds of riders taking part in Bike Oxford on Sunday of last week. Mr Upton from Whitney said, This was the biggest physical challenge I've ever done. Five months ago I had only ridden 22 miles on a tandem. He said before the ride, I've been training over the past few months and I'm ready to take on what is for me a big challenge. I want to raise money for my vision Oxfordshire and raise awareness that visually impairment, visual impairment is not a barrier to physical exercise. Sometimes you have to do things differently and adapt, but that's the fun of it. He rode with his friend Jamie, also from Whitney, up front as the so-called pilot. Riding a tandem has several different challenges, Mr Upton said. You have to really trust the person riding on the front, particularly when you can't see well. There is nothing worse than a nervous pilot. Communication is key mainly. Stops, starts, gear changes and turns, we've got into a good rhythm, so we also get a chance to chat along the way and enjoy the incredible Oxfordshire countryside. The pair will be kicking off at 7.30am on Sunday and hope to be back for dinner. They smashed their fundraising target of £2,000. Mr Mr. Upton said he was committed to demonstrating that sight loss doesn't mean the end and blind and visually impaired people can play a full part in life and their local community. Established in 1877, My Vision Oxfordshire, previously known as Oxfordshire Association for the Blind, exists to support visually impaired people to live independent and active lives. There are approximately 23,000 people living with sight loss in Oxfordshire, out of 2 million in the UK. You can find out more about their services at myvision.org.uk or on social media at myvisionox. Visual impairment is the term used to describe a sight, a loss of sight that cannot be corrected using glasses or contact lenses and covers blindness and partial sight. Here are two short uh, articles. The first continues the cycling theme and is headed Cyclist Raises £50,000 in Tribute to Wife. A Whitney Primary School teacher got on his bike to raise £50,000 in memory of his late wife. Richard Bache completed a 475-mile bike ride in just five days with the support of a team of friends in a bid to raise the money for a national charity action on uh, postpartum psychosis, APP, a severe postnatal mental illness that claimed the life of Mr. Bache's wife, Alex, last year. He started to ride in Ballock, near Glasgow, and wrote and rode sorry to Whitney visiting significant locations such as Leeds University where Alex studied and Dodford Manor where they were married. Mr Bache said my advice for anyone who's going through birth either as a mum, dad or family member is to keep talking, sharing good feelings or bad with each other or with the professionals. 
And the second short article is about a different activity and headed, Yoga fans find their inner peace under umbrellas. Yoga fans gathered under the umbrellas in Marriott's Walk for an outdoor yoga lesson in the middle of the shopping centre. Led by Alina Scuba, co-founder of Whitney's Yoga Line Wellness Centre, participants were put through a range of postures, breathing exercises and movements. Alina said, At first it might feel a bit strange to practice yoga in public, like we did in the Marriott's Walk in Whitney. Nevertheless, all participants loved the fact that we were finding peace and centering in the midst of a busy daily life. This helped us all to let go of judgment, ego and dependency on people's opinions and connect with our state of being. Luckily the rain held off, even though there were plenty, there were, uh, plenty of umbrellas overhead. Bridges awaiting repair after crash damage. Four historic bridges are all awaiting repair work after being struck by vehicles. The narrow Radcott Bridge, which carries the A4095 road north of Farringdon, is struck several times a week on average, according to staff at the nearby Old Swan Pub. It needs repairs in two places after lorries and coaches repeatedly hit the parapet and in a separate incident another lorry clipped the corner wall. The Hapenny Bridge at Lechlade has been shut since a car crashed into it on June the 20th, leaving a driver needing hospital treatment. Structural damage means it will not reopen to traffic until late July at the earliest, Gloucestershire County Council said, although it is safe for pedestrians and cyclists. A man was arrested after a BMW left the road and crashed through the wall of the bridge on Bridge Street in Whitney in December. It has remained cordoned off ever since. The wall on Burford Bridge was hit by a van in June and is still cordoned off. And there's a large picture of the bridge in Whitney. And Thames Water makes it into the news again. The title of this is Public must not pay for Thames water blunders. As concerns swirl around the future of Thames water, campaigners said it will take more than a new boss to fix the sector. Chief Executive Sarah Bentley, who ran Thames water for three years and earned £1.5 million in 2022 to 23, announced her shock exit last week. The firm has not given a reason for her departure. Earlier this year, Ms Bentley blamed the firm's poor record on sewage management on failings before her time and said levels of pollution in rivers today were the result of decades of underinvestment. Whitney MP Robert Courts tweeted, 
Sarah Bentley was right to describe Thameswater's performance as unacceptable, but we need solutions now. TW must focus on delivering sewerage upgrades that are urgently needed. The new CEO has a lot of work to do to restore public trust. Campaigners from Windrush Against Sewage Pollution, WASP, were due to meet Ms Bentley on September the 1st to discuss promised progress on the Windrush. Referring to Mr Court's voting against amendments to the Environment Bill in 2021, Chair Ash Smith said, Robert had the opportunity to vote for water companies to be forced to take all reasonable steps to end the dumping of untreated sewage, other than in exceptional circumstances. However, like so many MPs under government instruction, he went with the option that protected the shareholders, and the country lost out to them yet again. He continues, We have been let down by MPs making a lot of noise about calling water companies to account, but... When it comes to actually doing something to end the profiteering scam, they simply vote as instructed to protect the influential big money funds. Following an outcry, Mr Courts posted an explainer on his website saying that the amendment did not include an impact assessment and the costs incurred by immediately banning sewage spills would be too great. What happened to representing constituencies and worrying less about career prospects, said Mr Smith. He continues, Courtesy of that sorry chapter in Parliament, the water industry lobbyists won the day and the country lost. He added, It will take time, far more time than another CEO to fix the failed privatisation exercise that was shown to be ripping off the public as far back as 1994. Councillor Charlie Maynard has worked with WASP to force Thames Water to take action on sewage. He said, Thames Water was privatised with no debt in 1989 and now has a completely unsustainable £13 billion of debt. Offwatt has been asleep at the regulatory wheel, completely failing to ensure that these companies are run prudently. A Thames Water spokesperson said, Work on the £15 million expansion Whitney Sewage Treatment Works, due to be completed next year, will continue. And now for the editor's choice. I have a short article from The Countryman about Coronation Meadows. This piece says that the Coronation Meadows is a success ten years on. Ten years ago, in the face of the catastrophic loss of 97% of wildflower meadows since the 1930s, King Charles III, then Prince of Wales, launched Coronation Meadows. The scheme aimed to use donor seed from remaining parts of ancient and traditional meadows to restore and create new meadows. The Wildlife Trusts and Plant Life, charities for which King Charles became patron when he was the Prince of Wales, 
worked together to identify 60 species-rich meadows, one for every year of the Queen's reign at that time. In the first three years of the project, more than 700 volunteers gave their time to get the project off the ground. The charities have now revealed that the project was a success, with 101 new wildflower meadows having been created or restored over the past decade. Wildlife, from bees and butterflies to bats and birds, has benefited as a consequence. The area of land benefiting is still expanding as the charities continue to spread wildflower seed being sure to preserve the distinctive character of each area's flora by using seed only in close proximity to the collection sites. Craig Bennett, Chief Executive of the Wildlife Trusts, said, The expansion of our beautiful wildflower meadows is a wonderful legacy for communities everywhere to enjoy. Ancient meadows have evolved alongside traditional farming methods over hundreds of years. Many of these have been selected as local wildlife sites because of the rare and threatened species that are found there, but they have limited protection in planning policy. We need to see greater support for wildflower meadows in the new farm environment schemes. It is critical that farmers are rewarded for restoring locally distinctive natural habitats where wild plants can thrive. To mark the coronation, the Department for Education is funding the distribution of 200,000 packets of wildflower seeds among state-funded primary schools in England. This could lead to 100 acres of new wildflower areas being planted up across the country to support animal species. The packets will include seeds of native wildflower species such as cornflower, corn cockle, corn chamomile and night flowering catchfly which if sown this spring will bloom by summer. Now for the quiz. Firstly the questions and answers from our last edition on the 29th of June which was about Suffolk. Question one was which of the following is not a town or village in Suffolk? Three choices were Woodbridge, Clare and Cromer. And the answer is... Cromer, yes, which is in Norfolk. (coughs) Number two, which of the following rivers does not flow through Suffolk? The Ure, the Stour and the Dove. The answer is the Ure, A, the Ure, which is in North Yorkshire. Number three... Which of these counties does not border Suffolk? Cambridgeshire, Essex, Northamptonshire. Northamptonshire, yes, well done, readers. Uh, Number four. Which of these National Trust properties is not in Suffolk? Anglesey Abbey, Ickworth House, Melford Hall. And the answer is A, Anglesey Abbey, as that's in Cambridgeshire. Question five. Which of these people does not have strong links to Suffolk? Thomas Gainsborough, 
William Wordsworth, Benjamin Brisson. William Wordsworth. William Wordsworth is the correct answer because his perch was the Lake District. And there was a supplementary question, which was, what do many medieval churches in the Cotswolds and Suffolk have in common? And the answer is that they were built with money from the wool trade. Now for this, this week's quiz... Today is apparently National Apple Turnover Day, or so Google informed me. So this week's questions are all about apples. And they all have multiple choice answers. So number one, where did the apple originate? A, Switzerland. B, Central Asia. C, the Himalayas. D, California. Number two, what colour are apple tree flowers? A, red, B, white, C, yellow, D, purple. Number three, apple records were set up by which band? A, the Who, B, the Swinging Blue Jeans, C, the Beatles. D, the Kinks. Number four. Which of the following drinks is made using apples? A, Cointreau. B, Perry. C, Brandy. D, Calvados. And number five. Apples and pears is a well-known rhyming slang. What does it mean? A. Hairs B. Stairs C. Chairs D. Bears Thank you. Time for the notice board, which includes family announcements that have been reported in the Gazette this week. Unfortunately, there have been several death notices. Amelia Beattie, peacefully at Burford Nursing Home on the 29th of June 2023, aged 84 years. Funeral at Kingsdown Crematorium on Tuesday the 18th of July at 2.15pm. Family flowers only, please. Donations to Alzheimer's Research. Lawrence Joseph Holborough peacefully at Cedar Court Care Home, Whitney, on the 16th of June, 2023, aged 94 years. Funeral to take place at St Mary's Church, Church Green, Whitney, on Wednesday, the 12th of July, at 1.30. <coughs> Alexander Oakey, also known as Roy, passed away peacefully at home in Carterton, aged 96 years. Funeral service to be held at St Mary's Church, Blackborton, on Tuesday, the 18th of July at 1pm. Family flowers only, please. 
Donations to Alverscott PCC Restoration Account Raymond Basil Townsend, also known as Baz, passed away peacefully on the 30th of May 2023, aged 93. Funeral to take place at North, York, North Oxfordshire Crematorium, Tackley, on the Friday the 7th of July at 1pm. Family flowers only, please. We now have an announcement from the Torch Fellowship. Whitney Torch Fellowship for the Visually Impaired meets on the first Saturday of every month at 2pm in the Welcome Church, High Street, Whitney. New members are very welcome. Contact 01993 891-639 As well as listening to the USB stick you receive from us each week, there are several ways for you to listen to all of our editions, including magazines. These ways include Sonata Plus and Internet. Full details can be found on our website wtn.org.uk just follow the link to listen online. If on any week you do not receive your stick or if there's a problem with producing them, you can always listen on the phone by dialing 01993-555-986. Keep listening at the end of the edition for the radio and audio described TV listings. Now we have our next stories, the first of which is about Whitney Carnival and will be read by Jill. Whitney Carnival. There was no mention of the carnival in the Whitney Gazette, but we have taken this information from the internet. It will take place this Saturday, the 8th of July, between 11 o'clock and 5.30. The carnival has been a highlight of the year in Whitney since 1928, when it was started by the then British Legion, now the Royal British Legion. Originally held on King George's Recreation Field at Newland, most local firms, such as Early's Blanket Factory and schools, would decorate a float for the procession, much the same as today. The carnival came to a halt after the outbreak of the Second World War, but in 1985 it was revived by Whitney Lyons. After restarting, it was more of a fete than a carnival and was held at Cogs. As it became more popular, Whitney Round Table, Whitney Rotary Club and the RAF Air Cadets joined forces to stage the town's most popular event and entry remains free. The procession starts at 11 o'clock and is described as being a fantastic and colourful event. Stalls open on the leads from 12 noon. The attractions include funfair, live music acts, speciality children's entertainers, zorbing for both the kids and grown-ups and of course the famous Toy Towers Express. This year, the live music will be located by the beer tent, with music for all ages. 
Feel free to bring your own picnic to enjoy on the day. A wide range of food and drink vendors will be there. A tea tent with cakes and treats, bars selling pims and real ale, to name but a few. Pay to fix potholes before excessive traffic calming. That's the heading. Traffic calming measures being installed near the Lees in Whitney for safety and to stop antisocial behaviour have been branded excessive and pointless by some park users. Plans for three speed cushions on the access road to the recreation ground are unanimously supported by town councillors. Similar measures have been discussed at town and county council level since 2018 in a bid to stop speeding and people park parking along the side of the road as well as in the marked bays. A public consultation was carried out last year to see if the town council still thought the scheme was warranted. Councillors felt the responses pointed more to the calming being installed for road safety rather than the reduction of an uh, antisocial behaviour, although this was still an issue. Councillor Andrew Coles, chair of Whitney Traffic Advisory Group, said, This certainly echoes my own conversations with residents as the county councillor for the area. Residents have been raising concerns about speeding traffic, reckless driving and general antisocial behaviour there for quite a while, so action was definitely needed. Whitney Traffic Advisory Committee also asked if the scheme could incorporate safety measures around the crossing between the church path and the tree-lined avenue across the Lees. But a report from the Deputy Town Clerk Adam Clapton noted that the road surface is in a general state of disrepair and the existing construction unknown. It said observation suggests it is unlikely to adequately support the new features and significant reconstruction will be required. Mr Clapton's report said Whitney Town Council originally earmarked £5,000 towards the scheme and Oxfordshire County Council has agreed to cover the remaining cost. When discussed in 2021... The scheme was estimated to cost 21,500 for construction and 3,255 for a consultation. Some regular park users said the scheme was pointless and wasteful, with one commentating that the money should have been spent on resolving the town's potholes first. One person commented on Whitney Town Council's Facebook page said finding it slightly strange, as no one in their right mind speeds down there uh, to a dead end, with the very high possibility of cars reversing out. We regularly park here and have never seen anyone after 10pm. A second asked, is there any kind of data or speed monitoring data to support the need for this application? And a third one said, what a waste of time and money. Completely unnecessary. Conservative councillor Thomas Ashby said he was initially sceptical, but said these traffic calming measures for the Lees are for the safety of young people and families using the facilities. I understand from residents that there are concerns around some vehicles travelling quickly, 
especially in the evening. While this road does lead to a dead end, councillors from across all three local authorities decided that this is a sensible decision. Curtain ready to raise at Boutique Cinema. Film buffs in West Oxfordshire will soon have a new venue to watch the latest blockbusters. The Living Room Cinema in Chipping Norton will welcome its first customers on Friday, July the 14th. The Boutique Cinema will occupy the former homeware and DIY store Harper's, which closed in 2016 due to decreasing footfall. The opening night features a screening of the highly anticipated Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 on Friday, July the 14th. The evening will support local charity Thrive North Ox, providers of practical support to children of struggling families in North Oxfordshire through a voluntary donation. In addition to attending the opening night screening of this summer's blockbuster, guests will be treated to bubbly, nibbles and have the opportunity to be the first to experience Chipping Norton's brand new cinema. The site will be run by the founder and the executive team behind the highly successful The Living Room Cinema in Liphook in Hampshire. Founder and Chief Executive of The Living Room Cinema, Chipping Norton, Claire Bezik, said, We're incredibly fortunate to be opening our doors when such a rich variety of films are available. Not only are we able to launch our cinema with the hotly anticipated Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, but with our two auditoriums we are creating a jam-packed film programme, offering audiences the ability to see the latest blockbusters as soon as they hit the big screen. Alongside new releases, we have curated a selection of the finest independent film and documentaries. Something a bit different and off the beaten track, which we know our audiences will love. The screening rooms in the living room cinema have both solo loungers and two-seater sofas. The cafe bar will also be open all day. Founder and trustee of Thrive North Ox, Andrea Ratcliffe, said, Living in rural poverty as a child or teenager can have a devastating effect on self-esteem and education. It can result in children refusing to attend school because of ill-fitting uniform. Their family can't afford toiletries or having to wear broken or second-hand shoes that are too big or small. This issue is real and present in the Chipping Norton OX7 area and as a tiny local charity 
we strive to provide new essential items to help build confidence and ambition. We can only continue to do our work with the support of lovely community-focused businesses such as the Living Room Cinema, to whom we are incredibly grateful for choosing Thrive North Ox as their chosen charity at their forthcoming opening. Planes ready to fly in for air spectacle. The final additions to this year's Royal International Air Tattoo lineup have been announced. The annual three-day event at RAF Fairford near Lechlade will start on Friday, July the 14th, and thousands will flock to the airbase to see over 250 aircraft take part in either the flying or static displays. This week, the finishing touches were added to this year's event, with the UK debut of the new Gripen E jet and RAF's F-35B Lightning now included in the flying programme on all three days of the show. They join a host of aircraft that have already been confirmed, such as fast jets including the Spanish Harrier, historic aircraft like the Messerschmitt 262, as well as a large number of refuelling aircraft, tying in with this year's theme, Sky Tanker, which recognises the 100th anniversary since the first air-to-air refuelling manoeuvre. Head of Air Operations for the Royal Air Force Charitable Trust Enterprises, Peter Riock said, We have a fantastic array of aircraft coming from around the globe for this year's show, including five national acrobatic teams. Sorry, that's aerobatic teams. Visitors on Sunday and Saturday will enjoy a seven and a half hour flying display program and an extensive static display on the ground with plenty of aircraft to view and many of the larger aircraft planned to be open for visitors to explore. Following a complete sellout for the first time ever last year, organisers are pleased with ticket sales ahead of the show after already announcing a sellout for Saturday, July the 15th. With two weeks until liftoff, there are still tickets remaining for this year's show, but people are being urged to get them while they can with roughly 5,000 available for July the 16th and only 1,000 remaining for July the 14th. Paul Atherton, Chief Executive Officer for Royal Air Force Charitable Trust Enterprises, added, This year's show is set to be another thrilling event, with all types of aircraft demonstrating their capabilities in the sky. Tickets for the event are going fast, and we are expecting to sell out again shortly, so I would strongly encourage people who are thinking of joining us to make sure they get their tickets as soon as possible. To buy tickets, visit airtattoo.com. Well, that's all we have time for this week. Please remove the memory stick from the playback unit and close the metal shield. Remember to reverse the address label on the yellow pouch before posting it back to us. 
Just a reminder that this is a free service from the post office and the package can be placed in any post box. Please post it back to us as soon as possible as we sometimes run out of pouches and labels which means that we cannot continue our service to you. If you wish to contact us, please put a slip of paper in your pouch and we will then phone you. It only remains for me to thank the Whitney Gazette for the articles we have used tonight. Thanks go to our technical expert, Eric Imerson, and our copiers, John Ashwell and Marnie Leach, who will be copying this material onto the memory sticks and posting that out to you. We would also like to thank our admin volunteers who have been checking the pouches and memory sticks you returned and keeping the records in our register. They are Anne Trelloa and Doreen Turner. And finally, thanks to our four readers tonight, Jill Breakspear, John Ashwell, Marnie Leach and Andrew Dilger. I know everyone would like to say goodbye. And so, until our next edition... Goodbye. TNF Soundings. Features from across the UK. Hello, I'm Jilly, standing in for John this week. As June has given way to July, we can look forward to either listening to our favourite programmes while lying in cool shade in the garden, or cowering indoors from the blazing heat. Whatever the weather throws at us, I hope you will find this selection of programmes entertaining and interesting. Here are the programmes recurring daily, from Monday to Friday. The book of the week is Stay Young with Michael Mosley. The Radio 4 drama is All Bleeding Stops Eventually, at 9.45am. The composer of the week is Marie Jail Noon on Radio 3, Monday to Thursday only. Wimbledon Tennis is at 1pm on Radio 5 Live. Paul Temple and the Sullivan Mystery is at 4pm on Radio 4 Extra. And Smooth Classics is at 7pm on Classic FM. The book at bedtime is The Sorcerer of Pyongyang by Marcel Theroux. It's at 10.45pm on Radio 4. And now the individual programmes from Saturday to Friday. On Saturday, Test Match Special. It's day three of England versus Australia. From 10am on BBC Five Sports Extra and from 10.45am on Radio 5 Live. Wimbledon Tennis is from noon on BBC Radio 5 Live. Radio 4 Drama is Madam Will You Talk, a 1955 thriller by Mary Stewart. Part 1 is at 3pm on Radio 4. And Moira Stewart's Classic FM Hall of Fame concert is at 4pm on Classic FM. The Infinite Monkey Cage, which is exploring what we know about subatomic particles, is Bees versus Wasps at 7.15pm on Radio 4. And Sounds of the 80s, 8pm on Radio 2.
How I Ruined Medicine is a talk with Dr. Phil Hammond at 8pm on Radio 4. G.F. Newman's The Corrupted, Part 2 of 10, is at 9pm on Radio 4. On to Sunday. Test Match Special Day 4 is at 10am on BBC5 Sports Extra. Once again, Wimbledon Tennis is at noon of Radio 5 Live. The Unbelievable Truth, a panel game, 12pm, Radio 4. Drama Now and Madam Will You Talk by Mary Stewart Part 2 is at 3pm, Radio 4. Smooth Classics at 7 with Charlotte Hawkins is at 7pm, Classic FM. Alexi Sales' Strangers on a Train Part 1, London to Blackpool, BBC Radio 4 at 9.15pm. If it's music you're after, then Sunday night is music night, a celebration of Cy Coleman, composer of Sweet Charity, amongst others, 8pm Radio 2. And classic comedy with the Navy Lark, 8.30pm on Radio 4 Extra. Now Monday. The NHS... Who Cares? Episode 1 is at 9am on Radio 4, repeated at 9.30pm. The Afternoon Concert features works by Beethoven, Mozart and Sibelius at 2pm on Radio 3. Drama, Shard, a folk horror, 2.15pm on Radio 4. Soul Music, Song to the Siren, at 4.30pm on Radio 4. Analysis. Why are so many workers on strike? 8.30pm on Radio 4. And we finish Monday with The Blues Show with Keris Matthews at 9pm on Radio 2. On to Tuesday. Across the red line is a debate about whether immigration is good for Britain. 9am on Radio 4. More drama, medical drama, all bleeding stops eventually, part 1, 2.15pm on Radio 4. The Soundscape Shortcuts is at 3pm on Radio 4. Word of Mouth with Michael Rosen, 4pm on Radio 4. And Radio 3 in concert, a performance of Elga's Dream of Gerontius at 8.30pm on Radio 3. In Touch, the programme for visually impaired people is at 8.40pm on Radio 4 with Peter White. And we wind up Tuesday with The Jazz Show with Jamie Cullum, 9pm on Radio 2. Moving on to Wednesday, History's Secret Heroes, Bella Hazan and the Jewish Resistance is at 11.30am on Radio 4. More medical drama, All Bleeding Stops Eventually, Part 2, 2.15pm on Radio 4. Comedy Now with Conversations from a Long Marriage. That's 5.30pm, Radio 4 Extra, followed by Hancock's Half Hour at 6pm. Radio 3 in Concert. Choral Pilgrimage by the Sixteen to York Cathedral, 
marking the 400th anniversary of the death of William Byrd, 7.30pm Radio 3. And the folk show with Mark Radcliffe is at 9pm on Radio 2. Thursday's programmes include Afternoon Concert, music by Walton Vaughan Williams and Taverner at 2pm Radio 3. The Radio 4 drama is In Vino Veritas, written by and starring Lenny Henry, and it's at 2.15pm. In Open Country, Tiny's Cairn, a visit to Glen Lonan beside Loch Neal, is at 3pm on Radio 4. Comedy classic Dad's Army is at 6pm on Radio 4 Extra. A new comedy series, Ed Reardon's Week, is at 6.30pm on Radio 4. It's followed by the quiz, Funny You Should Ask, 7pm, Radio 4 Extra. Then, Getting Nowhere Fast, a comedy with Melvin Stutter, at 7.30pm on Radio 4 Extra. Thursday evening winds up with The Country Show with Bob Harris at 9pm on Radio 2. And finally, on to Friday. This is a special day on Radio 3. From 6.30am up to 7pm, they are previewing this year's proms with a proms countdown. Drama on Radio 4, Bitter Pill Part 2 is at 2.15pm. And Feedback, Listeners' Comments on BBC Radio Programmes, is at 4.30pm on Radio 4. The sitcom Reluctant Persuaders is at 5.30pm on Radio 4 Extra, followed by The Small, Intricate World of Gerald C. Potter, 6pm, and then Sketches by Boz, Comic Tallboy Dickens at 6.30pm. Comedy Impressions in Dead Ringers, 6.30pm on Radio 4. The first night of the proms features works by Sibelius, Grieg and Britain, 7pm on Radio 3, followed by Add to the Playlist, Musical Links from France to Australia. Happy listening. TNF Soundings TNF Soundings Features from across the UK. Hello, this is Lizzie from Otley Talking News with Val's selection of audio described TV programmes starting Saturday the 8th of July to Friday the 14th of July 2023. As Wimbledon Fortnight continues, there could be some disruption to the scheduled programmes on BBC One and BBC Two this week. We start with Saturday the 8th of July. Chocolate is on the menu today as Nadia creates a Money Can't Buy You Happiness brownie and chocolate flat in Nadia Bakes on BBC One at 11.30am. If you're looking for something to test the little grey cells, 
There are three back-to-back episodes of Agatha Christie's Pyro this afternoon on ITV3, starting at 12.35pm with the ABC Murders. Cameras follow Shepherds Natalie and Greg, who look after two farms in the Tees and Wide Valleys. The Pennines, Backbone of Britain, is on Channel 4 at 5.30pm. A trip along the coast and through the mountains of North Wales awaits passengers on a restored vintage statesman train in this final episode of Britain's Most Luxurious Train Journeys on Channel 4 at 8pm. Vita's attempts to record her first single leave her at loggerheads with her emotionally fraught brother and her jealous best friend in the drama Champion on BBC One at 9.15pm. D.I. Lennox struggles with his sobriety as he searches for Britney's murderer in Irvine Welsh's crime on ITV One at 5 past 10 tonight. The Saturday night film starring Maggie Smith and Alex Jennings is a comedy drama. When writer Alan Bennett grudgingly allows elderly, eccentric bag lady Miss Mary Shepherd to park her van and home in the driveway of his Camden townhouse, little does he know that the arrangement will last for 15 years. The lady in the van is at 10.25pm on BBC One. Moving on to Sunday the 9th of July. As usual, key politicians and public figures are interviewed this morning in Sunday with Laura Koonsberg at 9am on BBC One. Songs of Praise is from Arundel's Roman Catholic Cathedral for the Feast of Corpus Christi at 11.30am on BBC One. The comedy drama The Second Best Exotic Marigold Hotel is the early evening film on BBC Two at 6pm. As the pensioners continue to live out their golden years in India, irrepressible owner Sunny Kapoor is worried that one of the new arrivals is an undercover hotel inspector. Professor Bethany Hughes sets off on a journey around the Indian subcontinent in a new two-part travel series. Exploring India's treasures with Bethany Hughes is on Channel 4 at 8pm. Stephen Fry presents a new six-part wildlife series, charting how our annual journey round the sun impacts life on Earth. On Svalbard's frozen sea ice, a polar bear mother prepares her cub for a life alone. A Year on Planet Earth is on ITV1 at 8pm. This is followed by another new series, a spy thriller based on real events. When Soviet double agent Kim Philby defects to the USSR in 1963, MI5 tries to determine whether his old friend and colleague, Nicholas Elliott, helped him escape. A Spy Among Friends 
is on ITV1 at 9pm. Now for those programmes which are on at the same time throughout the week. Due to coverage of Wimbledon, there are only three programmes listed this week. On BBC One, Monday to Friday. Holmes Under the Hammer is at 11.15. Bargain Hunt is at 12.15, but not on Wednesday. Heartbeat on ITV3 is at 6pm, Monday to Friday. Let's have a look at Monday the 10th of July. Detective Morse is suspended from duty, but when a body is found near his home, he conducts a secret investigation. Endeavour is on ITV3 at 8pm. For six decades, Diane Kerridge has been desperate to find the baby son she was forced to give up when she was a teenager. Now she heads for the west coast of the USA to seek answers. Find out if she finds them in Long Lost Family at 9pm on ITV1. The medical documentary series about life at Queen's Medical Centre in Nottingham returns tonight. Patients include a suspected case of sepsis and a former RAF fighter pilot who has fallen from his motorcycle. 24 Hours in A&E is on Channel 4 at 8pm. Chris McCausland is joined by broadcaster and actress Liza Tarbrook for a trip to Niagara Falls in Canada in tonight's Wonders of the World I Can't See at 10pm on Channel 4. On to Tuesday the 11th of July. In the first of tonight's documentaries, Award-winning reporter Fergal Keane goes in search of hope in today's Britain. From Glasgow shipyard workers to Leeds Council estate residents to tenant farmers in Cornwall, he shines light on the unheard voices of courage across the nation. Brave Britain with Fergal Keane is on BBC One at 8pm. The pressure ramps up as the remaining teams are challenged to create 24 identical tarts and must tap into their creativity to present some innovative peach melbas. Bake Off, The Professionals is on Channel 4 at 8pm. Still on a cooking theme, four celebrities return to the kitchen in an attempt to serve up the perfect Indian dish in Cooking with the Stars on ITV1 at 9pm. In tonight's second documentary, former EastEnders actor Joe Swash delves into the untold stories of Britain's teenagers in care over the age of 16. Joe Swash, Teens in Care, is on BBC One at 9pm. A new six-part documentary series starts tonight, 
following the work of the West Midlands Police Drone Unit as they track criminals from the sky. Sky Coppers is on Channel 4 at 9pm. Now for Wednesday the 12th of July. This week's items brought in for some attention from the experts include a wartime bicycle once owned and used by a Bletchley Park codebreaker, a bear on wheels and a neglected and battered Victorian firefighter's helmet. The repair shop is on BBC One at 8pm. Several choices at nine tonight. It's the quarter-final and the five remaining sewers make garments inspired by history's most influential fashion designers. Who will make Garment of the Week and who will have to go home? The Great British Sewing Bee is at 9pm on BBC One. In tonight's feature-length comedy... A crime writer takes his fans on a coach tour of locations from his books. The bus is soon leaving a string of bodies in its wake and the passengers are faced with the possibility of a murderer in their midst. Starring Griff Rhys-Jones and Johnny Vegas, Murder on the Blackpool Express is on BBC Two at 9pm. Joanna returns to her birthplace of India in search of black pepper in the second part of Joanna Lumley's Spice Trail Adventure on ITV1 at 9pm. While Sandy Toxvig travels to Ireland with comedy writer and actress Dune McKitchen, who is an outdoor swimming enthusiast. Extraordinary Escapes with Sandy Toxvig is on Channel 4 at 9pm. Thursday the 13th of July. For their final outing, Jay Blades and Laura Jackson visit Lincolnshire, Aberdeenshire, Wales and Hampshire in their hunt for the country's most cutting-edge beach hut. Britain's best beach huts is on Channel 4 at 8pm. All is not as it seems when DCI Stanhope investigates the murder of a wealthy bookmaker. Vera is on ITV3 at 8pm. Radio broadcaster Dev Griffin travels to Ireland and Jamaica to discover more about his ancestors in Who Do You Think You Are? at 9pm on BBC One. A new three-part documentary series starts tonight, recounting three cases where victim and predator were members of the same family. Murder in the Family is at 9pm on ITV3. A vast home in the New Forest and a small property in Pimlico, central London, are on the market in Britain's most expensive houses, on Channel 4 at 9pm. And finally, we come to Friday the 14th of July. It's the competition's climax, and the remaining chefs 
must run the Langham Hotel's Palm Court Restaurant as if it were their own for one night. Find out how they get on in Five Star Kitchen, Britain's Next Great Chef, the final, at 8pm on Channel 4. The Riches family are preparing for the biggest event of the year. But a piece of bad news comes as a blow to Claudia and Nina's half-siblings. And Nina's suspicions are turned to once trusted employee. Riches is on ITV1 at 9pm. Sister Boniface investigates a shocking murder at a groovy pirate radio station. Sister Boniface Mysteries is on the Drama Channel at 9pm. We end the week with a comedy film, described in the Radio Times as uplifting, feel-good entertainment. A struggling musician wakes up after an accident and finds himself in a world where the Beatles never existed so takes advantage of this by passing their songs off as his own. Yesterday is on BBC One at 10.40pm. I hope you found something of interest from this week's selection. TNF Soundings 